Bedtime. The truth is not a Google search, you need to get your head right. The Greek goddess of illusion was called Media and I. I'm not a coincidence theorist, I look for thread lines. Smashing every deadline, no longer smashing red wine. Though I can hear the bells chime, it feels like the end times. That probably should have been smashed on red wine. But the final mind is foolish, obey and end up ghoulish. Don't get used by instinct, take control and learn to use it. Make a load of earnest music, earn a few quid, learn a few tricks. Sure, the truth is persecuted. This whole world is pure abusive. Know a bit about everything and everything about nothing. Figure out my noggin while you put your house shopping. You sit about watching while I wish it out. Stop it, I don't mean to sound cocky, I'm not even proud of it. It's a second niche to me, just a bit out honest. I don't even need to sound honest, never been about profit. Everything but out on it, you can bet your house on it. Yeah, I'll be out for the count when the sounds and I'm down for the beat. No beat down, I mean, how long's it been? Help me out. I've been the only one who's held me down. All in the mind, hell freeze now. Still sick with it, healthy how? Few bars down and the well freaked out. I don't reach out, I seek out to speak out. I'ma recount the reasons they beat out. Hello, hello, good afternoon, everybody. I'm your host, Joseph Daniel Pena. This is the Five Nine the Vampires podcast. So, what we got on today is my boy Russ Seven Seven. Uh, I think it is from Instagram. He's a soil expert for cannabis, right? But he was a little busy. This is a interesting week. I've had four no shows, so. Just strange, you know. I've had a week where people were spot on and even early, but I mean, it's the holidays. Hey, but while we're at it, we're just gonna go run through some news. I got some important things for you guys to see. Check this out, guys. You guys have not heard there was a big fire over in New York, over at one of the police stations, uh, and the indebted evidence area so you know you know how that can go this is kind of sound stadium all right yeah there were eight injured and people 
were speculating that the evidence goes back to at least 30 to 40 years. So it's pretty interesting. Like we got some clips uh, right here. I'm not going to be able to play the audio, but we can just show you the video. And that's what we'll go ahead and do. We alarm fired up at a police evidence in New York City Tuesday. At least eight people injured, including six first responders. A film of smoke was seen over the New York Police Department evidence controlled impound warehouse in Red Hook, Brooklyn, where Fire Chief John Hodgins said FDNY would be working for days to extinguish the flame. During the press conference Tuesday afternoon, Hodgins said FDNY responded to the fire call at the evidence warehouse located at 700 Columbia Street at about 10.37 a.m. but were unable to swiftly extinguish it. This fire is likely to go on for a few days by the time we are able to fully extinguish it. Hodges said he also said the facility housed a lot of combustible material. So a lot of explosives or maybe weapons, maybe gas. Right, so this is an evidence station. So over 50 years, 100 years, 30, you know, plus they got a lot of different things, you know, explosives for sure, weapons for sure, armors, cars, different types of gas, different types of, yes, the chemicals, just everything. You can imagine it's going from the richest to the poorest and all of their taken possessions. Well, something like that. New York Police Department Chief Jeffrey Madri said the compound house is mainly evidence and a lot of biological material, including DNA and evidence collected in past crimes. So, a lot of DNA from past crimes, a lot of biological evidence. Interesting. Sounds uh, pretty shady. I'll be real. So, Let's put this in into picture. There's an evidence warehouse in New York, huge warehouse. In the area that the fire was, was a lot of combustible evidence that was surrounding a lot of biological material and DNA evidence from past crimes. So what could be combustible? I mean, let's just say it's in the same area, but I mean, unless the fire spread like quickly and across the whole selection, but it sounds pretty, uh, pretty serious. It sounds pretty targeted. Hmm. The evidence goes back a long time, 20 or 30 years, he said. He also said the warehouse where the fire started included a number of motor vehicles and electronic bikes. We did not know the severity of the damage inside. He said the fire was initially reported by a contractor working inside the warehouse. Even more shady. We did not know exactly what happened. Firefighters battled the blaze and initially attempted an interior fire attack, but were unsuccessful in extinguishing the flame as it was too voluminous for the reference. Hodgins said the firefighters were overwhelmed and switched to an exterior attack. As of Tuesday evening, three New York Police Department and three FDNY, as well as two civilians, were injured in the blaze. Their injuries were minor, Hodges said. Hodges also said the FDNY was assisted by three fireboats 
and we're pouring water on the fires. We're also utilizing drones in the air to pinpoint where the water should best be applied. So that's pretty interesting. They got some high tech drones that can, like, on a real time, uh, it, determine where we should apply or tactic. Hmm. This could be used in a war zone. Have a drone up in the air and says, hey, you have to shoot here, then shoot there. Hmm. It could be used in space. Yeah, hey, there's minerals over here. We'll go this way. The storm's that way. Yeah, the, the, the AI and these drones now, these days, is pretty interesting. They're very high-tech and they can very much help coordinate on the battlefield. Approximately 150 personnel with New York Police Department and FDNY were on the scene Tuesday afternoon. Their efforts continued into the night. New York City Council Member Alexa Avios, Avios later confirmed the injuries and urged residents to remain cautious of the ongoing recovery effort. District 38 residents, you may see a black plume of some coming from Red Hook. Please be aware. Six first responders and two civilians were injured. It may take days to fully extinguish the fire, and the cause is still under investigation. A section of the warehouse later collapsed. Very interesting, guys. So this is one of the firefighters that was injured. He's wearing a mask. Mask off. Mask off. Mask off. Moving forward, so I'm going to harp on this a lot. Every time I see these type of things, I might even run them twice. Research links common sweetener with anxiety in mouth study. Researchers have linked the artificial sweetener, aspartame, to anxiety-like behavior in mice. So you know how they, they really have a lot of correlating data from mice studies to human studies that actually match up. So things that happen to mice. Same thing happens to humans most of the time, half the time, a lot of the time, for the health stuff. And yeah. So aspartame is that artificial sweetener and soda and a lot of other things. You know, it can be very much uh, like similar to Brenda and those type of things. The artificial sweeteners in general are all <clears throat> on the compound level and toxicity level of this very very similar an artificial sweetener found in nearly five thousand diet foods and drinks so yeah aspartame is in everything you know i've been telling you guys this for a long time long 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 long, long time You got to go organic and non-GMO, and you'll save yourself. You'll save your body. You'll save your mind. You, literally, everything will be better for you. You'll you'll love it. You won't get anxiety. You won't get sick. You won't get cancers. You won't get inflammated easy. You just feel better. Moving forward, guys. This is a short one, and I'm going to run you over to Jason Burmis and a 
documentary about him. So look at look at this look at this. Look at this. Did the Aztecs use mountains to track the sound? According to the statement released by the University of California, Riverside, the Aztecs used the mountains of the Sierra Nevadas along the eastern edge of the basin of Mexico in which Mexico City is located as a solar observatory to track the sunrise. So let's just look at this. They kind of look triangle-ish, pyramid-ish. You know, they did say Giza and some of these pyramids could track celestial you know, bodies, not saying the sun, but hey, it's very much so that uh, our ancient cultures could track the celestial movements and the movements of the seasons, very much so by their surroundings or purposely their architecture. Now, we do know that just like the Bosnian Pyramid, the Bosnian Pyramid was once like this on God. About 50 years ago, it was covered up in shrubbery, but now they're uncovering it, I believe. Pretty sure. Well, we know that that's the same case with a lot of other pyramids around the globe. <coughs> now, continuing on. Detailed knowledge of the movement of the sun and the timing of the dry and monsoon seasons would have been required in order to grow enough food to feed 3 million people thought to have lived in the region before the arrival of Europeans in 1519. Bullshit. You know, Europeans arrived way earlier in 1300, but those was, was not even... Europeans were... They weren't even good. Like, the story goes back way further. Uh, the Hebrews came back way before... Europeans, the Vikings, same thing. Um, modern history is bullshit. Anyways, the scientists led by ecologist Ezekiel Esgoda began the search for possible observations following the ancient Aztec text. Refer reference to Mount Pyalot led them to a site of a temple on the summit of Mount Pyalot. Then, using the computer model, the researchers determined that the causeway structure of the temple lies at the rising point. February 24th, the first day of the Aztec year. So there is a temple right here. You see that? Very interesting. Awesome. Very cool. I love to meditate there. Drink tea. Do ayahuasca. Get my Joe Rogan and Grandma Hancock on. Ooh. When the sun rose at the landmark point behind the Sierras, they knew it was time to start planting. The Aztecs were just as good or better as the Europeans at timekeeping using their own methods. Interesting. So we see this beautiful land. Just amazing. It's out there. Green trees, blue skies all year long down there. South America. Well, this is California, but in Mexico and uh, you know, Central Mexico. Well, actually, probably this isn't California. This is Central Mexico. It's, this is written from a dude in California. But I, I'm up in the Pacific Northwest. So I wished I was down uh, over here in Central America. Yes. You get it. Alright, guys. Check this out.
you know, I've been harping on this for all year long. When I was in the military about 10 years ago in the National Guard, only there for like two years, but in a short time that I was, I had a good chance and good opportunity to meet and talk to a lot of uh, higher ups and older people, uh, you know, sergeants, people who've been through the war. And one of the things that they had said is that our next warfare, well, you know, World War II is, was fought with guns and tanks, a little bit of planes and stuff. Afghanistan, we started seeing more technology involved. And then, you know, he said uh, our next war, World War Four-ish, like World War Three, World War Four-ish, whatever, the, the next official set of warfare would be fought with chemicals and computers. So, you know, we kind of see what happened these last few years. There's a virus and chemicals, like this biological chemical disruption warfare right okay and then then this happens f-35 pilots dress for chemical and biological warfare from now on so foreseeing the military wants to ramp up its biological and chemical warfare tactics i'm guessing is a global i mean i understand that it is already part of their plan if we look at their plans very much out in the open they want to ramp up the global politics and global war with it. So we're going to just see technology be used. With technology, it, it targets the main cores of chemi chemistry, biology, you know, uses radiology, attacks on a nuclear level. These things are very direct. Uh, be prepared, you know, just in the future, the next thing is, like, better protect your health, your your uh, inner alchemy, and your biology, you know, protect yourself from radiation, and nuclear environment, and, you know, you can really help yourself while there's a huge agenda to destroy you. All right, all right, guys. That is that. But what I got for you is a present. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, play shade the motion picture. All right, let's do this.
Can you hear me all right? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, how's it going, guys? What's going on? You're going to have to uh, turn off something in your background. I think I'll mute your speakers or something. I can hear myself. Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. <clears throat> cool, hey. All right, so... It's about 4.30. We can just run it or just play a little commercial, but... Um, play commercial in like 30 minutes or after an hour? How long were you staying on? Maybe like half an hour. Cool, all right. We'll just uh, run it, guys. So what we just seen was shade motion picture by the documentary film artist Jason Burmist and a little bit of guidance from Alex Jones and a couple of other people you've seen, Shepard uh, Ambella, or uh, I forget his name, Shepard, I know him by Shepard. Uh, you know, what was going on in America, they're, they're really showcasing and it's very predictive of what was to come and what is coming and you know when you read the ley lines and you actually study the blueprints and the agendas uh everything matches up man jason Burmis did a great job right there we'll go ahead and continue that over on another day probably so right now we got my boy brandon met him over at instagram and uh a little bit of online cannabis communities. Uh, I found his work very interesting. He's very much into soil health and the health of cannabis. It, you know, it's not just about like the dispensary and the looks. Like, man, there really goes more into it. Uh, like, you know, you got to take care of your plants. So, my friend, can you go ahead and uh, share what you do and? Tell my viewers a little bit about yourself. Sure. For anybody who's not familiar with me, my name's Brandon Rust. You can find me on uh, IG at Rust, R-U-S-T dot Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Um, and also uh, Bokashi Earthworks, uh, BokashiEarthworks.com. Uh, so what I specialize in is uh, cannabis agronomy. So I look at soil data and then i you know give recommendations on what needs to be added to that soil for that soil to meet uh the target uh nutritional requirements for you know the specific crop um i also uh you know own bokashi earthworks so i have a consulting company where that's one of the things that i do um i also own bokashi earthworks and what we do is we specialize in green waste re recycling. We take waste from other industries and we do solid state fermentation on that and then turn that into biofertilizers, which is a, a carbon rich uh, fertilizer that also contains a plethora of different types of microorganisms that have uh, benefits to both the soil and the plant. Um, we manufacture uh, the microbial consortium for the fermentation process. Um, and which can also be used in uh, fertigation programs to help things like nutrient cycling and organic systems and uh, pathogen suppression. And then we also have uh, organic amendments and we manufacture 
uh, soil as well. So we kind of do a lot of things. Um, I, me personally, I've been cultivating cannabis for a little over 21 years. Um, so uh, I'm kind of all over the place. I work mainly uh, as a consultant in cannabis, but I work, um, you know, my my company distributes agricultural products across more than just the cannabis industry. That sounds amazing. I, honestly, that was actually about to be my next question. If your products could be used for other agriculture and other fruits and vegetables. See, I'm here in uh, Washington State, Yakima Valley. So I got hops, cherries, berries, apples, cannabis, everything literally. So... You know, I'm sure that if I use some of your products, then I would see a massive bloom in literally everything. And, um, you know, let's let's go ahead and hear something about your new products. That way we can go ahead and get my viewers onto something fresh from you. Sure. Um, so <clears throat> we have a product called Smart Carbon. It is a humate-based or carbon-based uh, fertilizer it contains all of the macro secondary and micronutrients needed for healthy plant growth um, and all of those elements are chelated or they are kept in a, a form that is biologically available to the root zone and because it is carbon chelated um, all of those molecules are attached to carbon it acts as a biostimulant for the soil microbiology as well and so when you stimulate the soil biology it helps to uh, soilbilize inorganic elements into plant available form helps with the creation of new soil it helps with the retention of water so it has um, a lot of beneficial effects uh, that come along with the increase in fertility that would that comes from the mineral nutrition so uh it it can be used just like uh chemical synthetic agricultural uh chemicals are used but they don't have the detrimental impacts that those types of chemical uh, fertilizers have on the soil this doesn't acidify soil it actually helps with the creation of new soils and um all those benefits that i just mentioned so uh, there's that, and it's really interesting because the fertilizer can actually be uh, formulated for any crop. So if you're running your cherry trees or if you're running hops or corn or soy or tomatoes or cucumbers, um, you know, as an agronomist, typically what will happen is a farmer will, will look and have an agronomist come and say, hey, this is what the soil uh, profile looks like according to lab results. You know, what do I need to add to this? And you can, you know, they'll usually give a recommendation on what needs to be brought in. And I can, you know, we can do the same thing with, with these types of fertilizers. Um, so there's that. That's a, you know, a, a liquid one-part homogenous fertilizer developed by NASA Agricultural Technologies. Um, and then we also have things like the biofertilizers, which are also carbon-based fertilizers that we manufacture out of uh, organic waste from other industries. Uh, currently, we're doing hemp uh, biomass waste, where we take you know spent biomass from uh, uh, CBD processing and manufacturing, and we turn that into Bokashi fertilizer. So what we do is we take that biomass and we add in a certain consortium 
of microorganisms. We add a complex carbohydrate and water and we do what's called a solid state fermentation. So we, we hydrate the moisture and we let it ferment in a fermentation vessel, which basically uh, composts that material very, very rapidly. It completely uh, composts that material and releases all of the available uh, nutrient and mineral nutrition that is uh, trapped in that organic material. And it, and it, and it makes it uh, bioavailable. So we ferment it, we dry that out. And then what we're going to be doing is currently you can use it just as a top dress once it's dry, but we're also going to take a step further and we're going to do something called agglomeration, which pelletizes it to make it into a slow release fertilizer. And again, this is all organic and a process of uh, that that's done from the recycling of organic waste products. So it's, it's a way to decrease carbon footprint and get a lot of this organic waste back into the soil. Um, and anytime that we're talking about anything organic, it's synonymous with carbon. So when I'm talking about putting organic fertilizers, organic biofertilizers back into the soil, we're talking about fertilizing well, uh, adding soil back into the, um, or adding carbon back into the soil. And this could work in greenhouse, indoor, and um, maybe like underwater soil if you're like trying to grow some algae or something maybe yes it actually does it works in all of those applications and that's very astute of you uh to think of the applications for growing things like spirulina which is uh, a type of algae um so they can be used in a lot of different systems uh this fertilizer was originally developed for um agro systems that have really really poor soils uh, and it's it's it was used because you know if we're looking at the majority of the land in the world the just as it sits naturally it usually isn't fertile fertile enough to be heavily cropped and you know for food production and yeah, so, especially in the last 50 years with the half-life after the degradation of pesticides and these poisons, Monsanto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, you know, uh, the last uh, 50, 60 years, we've mostly done monocropping of things like corn and soy in America. Uh, also, you know, uh, wheat and stuff, but mostly for the, the product, uh, for, you know, cattle production, stuff like that. Um, but when, uh, and, and yes, you're right. We've, you know, acidified a lot of the soil, uh, the organic matter content, which should be around 5%, which is ideal is you in most cases is less than 1%. And so we're essentially farming with, uh, agrochemicals, uh, in, in soils that are no longer alive. They're farming in dirt most of the times. Uh, and when you use a product like uh, Bokashi biofertilizers, or if you use something like the humate-based uh, fertilizers, essentially what we're doing is we're increasing the organic matter content of those soils with every application. And so we're able to build up that soil organic matter um, percentage. And, and that so helps. If Go we ahead. use this in our garden, then... We have our chickens. Our chickens would probably like snack on, um, you know, the garden and probably be healthier if our animals are snacking on these um, pastures that we 
use this product on and probably better? Sure. Well, you know, you think about it like this. Uh, chickens are natural scavengers, so they're going to pretty much eat anything. So let's say you have waste. Uh, you can always take your waste from, you know, what you're eating. You can always feed that to your chickens, and that will essentially, like, kind of close the loop, or you're not producing waste. You know, as opposed to maybe composting that or using it in a vermicomposting system where you're feeding it to earthworms or maybe you're doing bokashi composting. So there's different ways that you can approach uh, utilizing this waste. Um, the reason why we're doing the bokashi composting is it, it's because it can be done on an industrial scale. Um, and so if we're producing, you know, metric tons you know millions and millions of tons of organic waste you know as a as a country we have to have comprehensive solutions to be able to not fill up landfills with that organic waste that should essentially um can be recycled into fertilizers you know be made into fertilizers to uh increase soil health and fertility and increase that soil carbon that organic content and uh you know essentially be able to change the way that we pr uh, uh, produce food um, it's going to help in all of those systems it's not just for outdoor crops it can be used in greenhouse settings it can be used for your garden at home i highly recommend that people go and check out the website which is you know wokashi earthworks.com and check out you know the microbe plus check out the humate fertilizer and grow your own food, you know, because if you can produce your own uh, healthy vegetables and, and things of that nature, herbs and stuff like that, you're going to have a higher nutritional content in that produce that you're producing than, than what is, you know, conventionally being farmed and, and, and what's available in the grocery stores. I, I definitely started using uh, Dino Micro last year to help out my soil and I, I noticed a boost. So, when I was listening to Growcast over the last year and started really getting into more of this soil health, I, I started looking into products and um, thinkers like you. And so this is interesting, you know, to see how how, how much uh, of a boost would you notice that, like your crops would, you know, um, with your products? Well, here's the the difference is 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 huge, and this is why because you you're cutting costs and you're actually increasing the 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 use efficiency. And I'm going to give you an example here. So, in conventional crop production or in conventional, let's say hydroponic applications, you're going to get um, something like diammonium phosphate or uh, monoammonium phosphate is going to be usually your phosphorus and a nitrogen source in these base fertilizers usually they're like the core fertilizer or it's like the starter fertilizers that's used now the issue with that is as soon as the the phosphorus and the ammonium is put uh into soil and it is um and water is introduced that those compounds they disassociate from each other and so you have a positively charged phosphorus uh, anion and or a negatively charged phosphorus anion and a positively charged um, nitrogen uh, uh, particle. And that phosphorus will actually tie up. It'll bind with things like calcium and iron and zinc and copper. And so what it'll end ends up doing is 
you you only get a about 10 to 15 percent use efficiency out of a product even though that diammonium phosphate might be like 44 percent phosphorus only 10 percent of that is going to actually be available and then the rest of it is actually going to tie up you're gonna have a, or not all of it, but a large percent of that is gonna tie up the mineral nutrition that's already in the soil, making it rendering it unavailable to the plant. Um, so that's one of the problems that you have, and the same thing with with the nitrogen, right? Because nitrogen is highly biologically active; it goes through nitrification and denitrification, and a lot of what is put into the soil will actually, you know. Uh, denitrify and and be converted into atmospheric nitrogen and so you lose a lot of what you're going to be putting in there not to mention that only two percent of that will even come come in contact with the root zone so you're, we're looking at a nutrient use efficiency of you know ten percent divided by two percent which is like point zero zero two percent and so the use efficiency for something like that is very, very small. Uh, the Humate fertilizer, it has a 96% nutrient use efficiency. And the reason why that is is because it doesn't react in water and it doesn't react with other elements. It, it, it's carbon chelated. So it stays in a metabol – the mineral elements, they stay in a metabolically available form until they're either utilized by the soil microbes, the, by the biology in the soil, or – they're utilized by the plant in the root zone. And so you get a much higher use efficiency when you have a carbon uh, chelated fertilizer as opposed to something that is uh, synthetic that disassociates all of its anions in water and, and is highly reactive with hydrogen and, 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 you know, in these soil systems. So... So let's just say that if we go outside, we can imagine when we use this product over about a year i would imagine the electricity would just be a little higher in the soil like you can feel like a little bit more vibrancy in your soil and your plants uh they're a little bit more alive for sure you right? should have you so he, let me give you an example there was testing done uh in china for example using the humate fertilizer and they took this specific rice cultivar which was regularly cultivated and it was hitting six percent protein content and they ended up switching over to the humate fertilizer and they increased that protein content of that rice to 11 percent and then they doubled the yield so they were able to get two addition they were able to get an additional harvest in the same growing season and also increasing the the protein so they doubled yields and doubled the protein content of that. So it's a huge, huge difference in what it's able to do. Um, I'm going to give you another example. We just did a trial run at a college in Illinois, in central Illinois. And they did a couple acres of sunflowers and a couple acres of pumpkins. And I gave them, I think, five gallons of approximately 19 liters to for those uh, for the acreage, which I think it was a total of three and a half acres that they fertilized. Um, and they ended up only using, I think, three of the gallons of fertilizer. And they produced, you know, a massive amount of sunflowers and um, and pumpkins. They ended up selling all the pumpkins to a local farm in their college. That they, they had a, whole, a huge flatbed truck that must have had like 
24 uh you know those big ass tubs that they have at walmart the, the cardboard ones that they're all filled up with pumpkins they must have had like 24 of those things loaded up on that truck and they still had pumpkins left over uh you can actually see the story um i think it's on my feed on ig and then there's even a usa article i think that might talk usa today article if you google bokashi earthworks that might talk a little bit about it but these things have a really really great new nutritional uh or nu nutrient use efficiency efficiency and um you know at a time and the application is because there's there you know has a higher uh efficiency you can use less of it so it's cheaper for a farmer overall I, I, i'm kind of wondering now what this would be like along our riverbed systems and uh if we use this in some of these um really swampy areas and around those areas where there there already is a lot of soil and a lot of vegetation a lot of but a lot of damage still you know i'd imagine you'd be able to restore a lot of environments this is this sounds pretty amazing um all right so lizard anything more you can go ahead and talk about while we go ahead and um finish up the 30 minutes or we can continue on we can you can go ahead and speak about your products or why you were so interested in the first place in um, doing these type of things? Did you like smoke cannabis and, or were you a gardener from the beginning and uh, started getting into this? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I was smoking when I was, you know, 15, I was, you know, selling a little pot here and there. I was always looking for the best weed, you know, looking for that high grade, and, um, you know, when I was 18, I was introduced to some OGs and they kind of brought me under their wing. Um, years down the line after, you know, been after I had been growing for a really long time, I, I decided to switch over to uh, to try out organic cultivation. And uh, I just really delve into that. And at the time I was using a, a Bokashi product, I learned more about Bokashi composting um, and, you know, I just kind of, you know, started a business cause I was using the products just kind of like I would, I used to sell weed so I could smoke. Right. I just, you know, I was growing weed and I was using enough of this product that it made sense for me to make it on my own. Um, so I just started making it on my own and all the leftovers that I had, I would sell it to my friends and stuff like that. And I just, I started a business. Uh, out of doing that with the Bokashi and then it just kind of turned into the microbe manufacturing, having other types of mineral and organic amendments available, um, consulting, building soils, just all of that. It, it just all came together um, over. And, you know, over the last couple of years since I've been in Oklahoma, you know, I've worked in large scale cannabis cultivation with a lot of success. The people I work with are all grown great. Um, great products and they're all real consistent and so we're just uh i was able to kind of <clears throat> use cannabis to showcase the products um and kind of the innovative side of what can be utilized in the future and instead of having a reliance on a chemical uh, agro industry and, and and pesticides and the harmful things that you know can come from the the, the use of and over application of those types of uh, chemical fertilizers and pesticides. 
So you would uh, already have tested some hash rosin from your soils. It's much better. Much yes. Better, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, it's interesting that you say that because just the other day I got a message um, from somebody that I consult with. And they were somebody that's new to the consulting side. Like a lot of people aren't familiar. They'll try to build recipes for their cannabis and do this and this or follow nutrient protocols or whatever. Um, I have a my I have a strong focus on testing the soil and bringing it back to a specific target or a specific nutrient profile that's based off of the data that's collected. That way, they know exactly what they need to do from that point forward. So there's no guesswork really involved, um, and it's it's just more cost effective. Sorry, what was your uh, your question? I got the hash rosin. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they increased their, they had a cultivar they were going to, they were going to scrap in this per, this per particular instance. Uh, they ran these wrecks, they reran the, the, the cut that they had and they ended up testing, you know, I think they said they he was usually in the, in the 16 to 70%. He ended up getting that up to 24% and his terps were about one, one up to like two and 2.8 or something like that. Um, but always in organic soil you're going to get uh, better flavor profiles and because, and the reason is, is because there's a lot of uh, biochemical mechanisms that are, that are happening. Uh, there are things like phytohormones that trigger different responses in plants. There are different stress factors. And then there's also, you know, the, uh, the balancing act that happens with the, the internal charge of the plant where the plant can utilize some of the, uh, some of the you know soil carbon in the form of like carbonate for instance to do uh, charge balancing um, but it's really complicated uh, and you know really what it comes down to is that you don't really need to know all the science it's just a practical ac application of the stuff and I make that really easy by just giving a recommendation that says add this much of this to this amount of soil um, and that's what I do with my consults you know I go I, I use makes it real easy you know I, I always like to say like you do half the work with your garden and your garden won't do the other half you know as long as you really actually set it up and formulate it right and just let it like grow proper it, it'll grow proper and you know then yeah, you just we, don't have to like really we have we it. have we have standard operating procedures that are written in place that cover everything from your vapor pressure deficit, your temperature, your humidity, uh, your lighting parameters, um, you know, integrated pest management protocols, handling protocols, biosecurity protocols, everything that you could possibly think of. It's it's written down on what, you know, what that looks like for every single uh, point in the 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 cycle. You know, so as long as you are following those particular parameters and everything is on point, you're going to have, uh, you're going to have a good result. And that's how, you know, corn and soy and everything else is done. It's it's, it's done at large scales using agronomic data and it can be done at real small scales craft. And it makes it really simple for the farmers because it's more cost effective when you're reamending, doing top dressing based off of data using raw ingredients and then just stick to a really easy, microbe and humate kind of uh, fertilization plan <clears throat> this is amazing so what, what is in the future 
Is there anything that you guys are working on? Yeah, so we're working on a government grant for uh, you know three million dollars, so that we we can expand our fertilizer production and the distribution of that fertilizer. Uh, will it'll help with marketing, branding, educational content, that types of things. We are working on. Um, we are also working on uh, converting a very large, well, not a really large. I guess it's a medium-sized facility, um, and from all you know. Uh, hydroponics to a living soil uh and that's going to be a big over undertaking uh where we're you know taking down all high pressure sodium lights and in implementing all leds living soil uh the whole nine yards so that's a project that's uh, currently underway and then we're just you know working on expanding the business because we've kind of outgrown our current location and so we're just you know doing our thing we're going through some growing pains but it's all good it's a good problem to have but hey. uh, it's about time for me to go, so I should yeah, probably. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, you want to let my viewers know it's about to hit five. Um, where they can find you? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at rust brandon, and then Bokashi Earthworks. That's B O K A S H I Earthworks, all one word. Bokashi Earthworks.com. You can find me on uh, Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on YouTube. It's all out there. Hey, yeah, we'll go ahead and have you on another time, maybe just, you know, casually on through the months just to talk about some soil health and just a little cannabis here and there. Sounds good. Have a good night. Hey, you have a great time. Thank you for your time. Um, happy New Year's and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Hey, peace. All right, guys, you guys heard that. Hey, remember, your physical health and your soil health is hand in hand it's literally very important for both of them when you go outside you know you just, you just can't throw a seed in the ground water it and let it grow and think you're gonna have the most amazing harvest like no 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 it, it's more than that you know the soil health is key my boy brandon rust knows more than me and you guys heard it right there so, what I could do is <clears throat> run the rest of this documentary for you, but we might go ahead and have hold that off until tomorrow, and I'm just going to rerun it tomorrow, and hey, I'm going to head out of here. You guys have a wonderful night. Take care, be high, be blessed, peace out. Everything I see, so I see new horizons. Took the acid, feeling blasted in my brain, so I've been sitting up inside it, thinking about the present and the future. I'm improving cause I am a trooper. Never getting caught up in the loop. Got up out it cause I found the truth. Woke up to a beauty of the day. Yeah, the sun is shining, so I'm finna stay. Sitting, soaking up all of the rays till I feel it surging through my brain. Like some burger sugar did a lot of cane. Experimented with it, couldn't name all the times I did it. Feeling like a fade. Yeah, I'm really, really glad that I let it go.
go Cause I gotta be prepped for the time when the plane ride is a new norm So I know I'm gonna stay high, blaze on the ganja Feeling like I make my music go to another level while I take off I can't ever stop this, fell in love with it, fit like a glove So I'm never ever done with it, so now I'm about to rip another beat hey, One day I'll make a million in a week, yeah, shooting for the top spot Feel like I'm a hot shot, like I really got a chance with it I will not flop, somebody gonna make a dance when I pop off Gonna have all the bitches taking all the tops off I've been feeling like I'm really gonna kill it for the rest of my life So I've been staying focused in my soul I've been feeling like a million dollars So I know that everything is really getting closer Yeah, no posers Only been hanging with the ones I've chosen Only all the people that are living in the right way Cause they spending every day growing Yeah, no whole shit Coming in my life and then leaving in a moment That's the shit I'll never let into my life again Cause lately I've been feeling like I'm golden Never showboat I just showcase all my music that I've made this far Always knew that I could be the one that would get this far Now I'm right here looking in my mirror Trying to figure out if there's any more fear Cause I'm getting rid of it all, yeah Yeah, I'm getting rid of it all Meditating, analyzing everything I see So I see new horizons Took the acid, feeling blasted in my brain So I've been sitting up inside it Thinking about the present